money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money, kind of. We're not really talking money, money. Of course we're talking money today. Okay, we're talking uh, money-related things. What are you talking about? Yeah. Do we have to start the show over again? No, no, no. Just keep going. Okay. So we are here (laughs) to talk about money. This is the show where we talk around the hard issues around money. So what that really means is it gives Reb and I license to talk about all kinds of things, (laughs) not just dollars and cents. So um, if you haven't heard the show... And you'd like to get a little more of a flavor, for sure. You can get it off iTunes. Uh, just search Let's Talk Money with Dave and Reb. Or you can uh, get it off our website, morethanenough.ca. You can get it off CHRI's website. And uh, you can also, if you're there, we've got uh, blogs that go along with each show. And so if you like the show and you wanna, you're want you a reader and you want to follow up with a blog, then you can uh, visit the blogs. And they're, again, on morethanenough.ca. And, and so feel free to just peruse and uh if there's we've got we've had some great shows the last four or five weeks about just getting out of debt and some of the practical stuff around that but also how our hearts are affected by that so if you miss those well well and last week we talked to ray and we we each got to share some of the pivotal scriptures that have helped us on our money journey and our heart journey with the lord as we deal with money so which is a really important, fun, that was a fun show to do too. So. It was a fun show. That was... Okay, uh, but let's, like, because now we're okay. an exciting show. Today's show. I today's know, it's show. a very, we have a really great guest, and we, we will um, interview him today and next week, so uh, you will want to tune in and actually send all kinds of people to listen to this show, because it's going to be worth it. Two shows back to back. We yeah. want to see our iTunes rating go through the roof. <laughs> no, right? that's Absolutely. not why we're doing it. Well, I guess it, we want- it is why we're doing okay, it. Okay, we want people so. to listen. I know. I get it. Okay, okay, can I share the scripture now, please? Go for it. All right. Um, Hebrews 11. And when we get into the show, you're going to understand why I picked this verse. Really, he. Oh, there's a whole bunch. Hebrews 11 is the whole hall of fame of the faith walk of the, you know, Abraham, Moses. Uh, um, Enoch is mentioned, a whole whack of them are mentioned. And then in Hebrews 12, it goes um, like this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let's run the race with endurance that is set before us. Now, you're going to all wonder, what does this have to do with what does this have I to know do with money, this Rip? is the question. What does this always have to do with money? It has to do with our hearts because the reason I was thinking of these verses was because of the person we're interviewing today is an author and he wrote an awesome book called Gospel Patrons. And in that book, he writes about the men and women of faith and and he writes about Tyndale. He writes about the man who helped Tyndale. Uh, um, We'll learn about him in a second, I think. Um, <laughs> don't, I re- don't spoil it. I know. Um, he writes about John Newton. And we know those names, but we don't know about the people who were uh, the 
cloud of witnesses behind mm-hmm. those great men of God who really furthered the kingdom on earth. And so when I read these, I was thinking about us mm-hmm. because this interview today and next week's and even in the next three shows, you're going to be challenged to think about the gospel and think about your part in the gospel in a way that you may never have thought of it. And I am praying that you will get as ignited as David and I have by reading this book mm-hmm. and consider Considering that you can have your own Hall of Fame faith verse. Mm-hmm. You know, by faith, David did this and this and this. By faith, Rebecca. By faith, Dan. By faith, Sue. And we are surrounded by great stories of men and women that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk to... Um, okay, so... Uh, Reb's just itching to introduce you, John. So (laughs) we've got John Reinhardt through the wonder of technology. John's from uh, the author of Gospel Patrons. He also runs a ministry called gospelpatrons.org. So if if you want to, while you're listening, gospelpatrons.org, you can follow along a little bit to, to find out what he is. But welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you. Great. Well, we, as you can tell, we are excited to have you on and to, to just hear a little bit of the background story of how Gospel Patrons, not just the book, although I think we want to focus a little bit on the book here at the beginning, how that came to be. But before I do that, I want to give the little intro that we all like to introduce you to to our listeners. So, John, you are married, you have, you have a, a father of two children, but I didn't get guys girls i have one boy and one girl okay so so, so the the million dollar family so <laughs> yeah, we love that yeah. so john's from california he wouldn't come to ottawa for the interview <laughs> Not yeah, there's, sh- there's probably still snow up there it's hot <laughs> down here Lot, Careful now. well lots of rain this has been a very rainy wet summer so <laughs> so but we totally appreciate you coming through for uh, with the technology and and uh, the wonder of technology and thanks again dan you're the best, right? So, <laughs> all right. So, John, let's get into it. What started your journey with this idea of the gospel patron? And while you do that, fill us in on what is a gospel patron? Yeah, great question. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. I was a, a student, and I studied uh, in university. I studied business, got a job in sales, real sexy sales job selling copy machines right out of school, right. and was doing well in that. God used that to pay off my student loans. Ended up going to seminary. That was a left turn in my life. I wasn't planning on that, but I, I had a, a beating heart for ministry, for the gospel, for Jesus, and I wasn't sure how to live that out. I wasn't necessarily intending to be a pastor. I just knew I wanted more Bible training and theological grounding. So after I finished my seminary degree, I was 29 years old, and I said to my wife, hey, we've been chasing my dreams for the last four years by going to school. What's your dream? And my wife, Renee, said, ever since I was 13 years old, I wanted to take a trip and go all the way around the world. Not go to one place and come home or three places and come home, but literally circle the globe. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was an amazing, amazing dream. And I said, well, it's now or when we're retired, so let's do it now. (laughs) All right. Man after my own heart. Don't wait till you're uh, good for it. Exactly. So we were 29 years old. We put all of our belongings in storage. We had no children, no mortgage, and we just decided to go for it. And so for 132 days, we literally circled the earth. (laughs) And our goal, we weren't just trying to sit on beaches or go to fancy hotels. We really had two main goals. Number one was to become global Christians. We knew that God was working all over the world, that he's using 
people all over the world and he's doing great things around the world. We wanted to see it and experience it with our own eyes. And second, we wanted to learn to walk by faith. We knew that life can be so comfortable and safe and easy. We wanted to push into this adventure with God. And through a variety of circumstances, I was we were in India, and I was meeting a friend who's a missionary there. And he said, if you ever hear about gospel patriots, if you ever go to Sydney, Australia, you should meet a friend of mine and ask him about this thing called gospel patrons. And I said, that's crazy, because we have tickets. We'll be in Sydney in two weeks. Yes. And I guess we'll meet, meet your friend. I don't even know what that is, gospel patrons, but we'll meet him. So here my wife and I are, we've been traveling for four and a half months. We trekked in the Himalayas, gone on the safari in Kenya, we'd seen the pyramids in Egypt, we had driven around the island of Sicily in Italy, we had been to the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa and seen Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and we find ourselves in Sydney, Australia, in jeans and sweatshirts, meeting with a businessman in a slick gray suit, asking him, asking him about this idea called Gospel Patrons. And this man's name was Simon, and what Simon told us that day was he said, whenever we look at the great movements of the gospel in history, the times when God really touched down, the times that the history books are written about, the revival, the reformation, what we discover is that there was always a spiritual leader leading the charge. Think preacher, missionary, evangelist, pastor, Bible teacher, somebody who's heralding the good news that we find in Scripture. He said, but when we peel back the onion or we dig a little deeper into history, what we find is that that, that spiritual leader was never a lone ranger, but that behind them were people who were gifted in business and generosity and coming alongside others in a strategic way to fuel their ministry as patrons, so that when God is going to work in the world, he raises up a messenger, he raises up a proclaimer, but he also raises up patrons to stand with those people. Man, that idea was the freshest, craziest idea I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. I had a business background, a ministry heart, going, how did these things come together? And that, it was actually American Thanksgiving Thursday in Sydney, Australia in 2009 that this idea came to life. And he, had, he already had the language of gospel patrons. And I just said, this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you actually have the definition of a patron, a gospel patron. And it says, people who resource and come alongside others to help them proclaim the gospel. So, it, Yeah, there's one, there's one way to tell the difference between a Canadian and an American. It's if they say resource or resource. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not sure you, I'm not sure you read the definition correctly. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're, yeah. you got Canadian listeners a little bit here in Ottawa. I mean, you might get others from iTunes, but no, yeah. no, my wife, my wife is half Canadian, so I, I get it. She, her mother's from Saskatchewan. Oh. A town called Swift Current in the, the oh yes, the oh I know where, where Swift Current is. <laughs> so because where life makes sense. I was going to say because she, her mother's from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, you're, she's actually three quarters Canadian because there's extra grace for that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. we're gonna have all. Uh, anyway, nonetheless, if you have uh, money to give or resources, got me. Um, that's what a gospel patron is, one who's willing to come alongside another. Yes. And, and the main idea, really, I break down the definition in three parts. You're invested and you're involved in another person's ministry for the sake of the gospel. Lots of us just write checks to ministries or to church, and that's wonderful, and that's great, and I'm not trying to diminish that in any way, but there's a different kind of role that we see rising up throughout history and Scripture where people didn't just write a check, but they came alongside. They were personally involved or relationally involved 
in the ministry as business people. Mm-hmm. And we tend to go, aren't business people just supposed to write the checks to fund the people who do the real ministry? And the really the crux of what Gospel Patrons is, is it says business people have a ministry as patrons. Yeah. And when they see another ministry and they partner with them, there's an explosive impact that happens. Yeah. And I love what you, how you wrote that in the book, in the sense of how that was communicated through the book, because that was uh, had such an impact on me. Just how how the story of these these uh, business people interacted with with the 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 evangelist or whichever one. So. Uh, I love how you communicated that through the stories in the book. Is there a story that you is your favorite? Is there one that (laughs) just jumps out at you know that you said, I gotta get this in and I gotta get it right? Yeah. Well it's like saying, Do you have a favorite kid? I I like all of them. But but could you sum um, could you summarize who you talk about in the book? Yeah, sure. So William Tyndale, uh think five hundred years ago, British um, the first guy to translate the New Testament from the original Greek manuscripts. Before then, it had been in Latin for a thousand years. And Tyndale comes along at a time when Bible translation was illegal and says, my nation needs an English Bible. Most of the people don't speak Latin. They don't know Latin. That's and right. so if they don't have an English Bible, they won't know God. They won't understand the gospel. They won't repent of their sins. They won't be saved. They have to have an English Bible. And alongside him came a businessman who was a wealthy cloth merchant named Humphrey Monmouth. Now, history is almost totally forgotten, Humphrey Monmouth, and he's just a footnote in most of Tyndale's biographies. But what I did was I began to dig and meet with experts and read history books and follow those footnotes to to really understand the story. When Tyndale wanted to translate the New Testament, he was really taking his life into his own hands. Mm -hmm. And he knew that he needed to be able to work on that full-time that he needed to really devote himself to it. And so this businessman comes alongside him and says, essentially, I'll take the risk with you. Come live at my house. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. Get to work. So for six months, William Tyndale lived at Humphrey Monmouth, translating the New Testament from the original Greek manuscripts night and day. When that was finished, the businessman used his merchant ships to get Tyndale to where all of the best printers were. I think printing is still new technology here, Mm -hmm. and so he he ships them over to Europe, the continent of Europe. And for a year, William Tyndale is getting this this manuscript set up on the printer. A year later, 3,000 copies of the first English New Testament roll off the presses, and the businessman, Humphrey Monmouth, is called upon again to be involved. He used his merchant ships to smuggle these 3,000 New Testaments back into England. These are contraband books, so they would put them in watertight boxes and drop it in a barrel of oil or drop it in a barrel of wine or take it apart and layer it within you know, bolts of cloth and wow. smuggle these Bibles back into England. Without the businessman playing his part, it's very likely we would still be reading a Latin Bible. Like, think about that. It's amazing yeah. that this businessman stepped forward in such a key and strategic way. And the end of the story is that the businessman ended up in prison for a year in the Tower of London for partnering with William Tyndale. This businessman was so involved that they knew he was funding and supporting and partnering with William Tyndale. They locked him up for a year, and he wasn't sure if he was going to come out dead or alive. Mm-hmm. William Tyndale ends up living as an exile from England, never marrying, and being uh, really publicly executed and his body burned in the continent of Europe at the age of 41 for the sake of giving the world the English Bible. 
Now, when their generation, neither of them got to see the, you know, the ministry ROI or the impact. Yeah. They, they just put it into the world. And then once Tyndale died, his patron was released from prison and died 10 months later. It was like their partnership had been complete. And when, I, when they died, uh, they didn't see, like I said, the impact of their work, but they gave an English New Testament to 6 million people in their generation. And now in our generation, over 600 million English speakers have had access to God's Word in their language because a, a man stepped forward, a spiritual leader stepped forward to you know, pioneer the way with the translation, and the businessman stepped forward to be incredibly generous and, and partner with him as a gospel patron. Yeah, I that one it just leaves you speechless when you when you talk about it like that. See and, the impact of of you know w- sometimes we hold on to things so tightly to say oh you know all he really did was say come live at my house for six months I will protect yeah. you I will give you the space and the time you need to do what you need to do I mean when we look at that in the light of six hundred million you know what you were yeah. saying before and going okay well that wasn't much of a sacrifice was it? Yeah. <laughs> but we we see those things as sacrifices while we're in the moment right and yeah. and uh, what an incredible uh, in a sense looking forward well, let me tell you, I, I was wrestling and, and beginning to write this story, but I was an unpublished author. I didn't have a background in, you know, in writing at all, but I just knew this was burning within my heart. It had to be in the world. And I didn't have the means to do it. And alongside me, uh, a man in my church who was just a year older than me and successful in business, heard about the project and said, um, why don't you come over to my house? I'd like to talk about it. And, uh, he Did said, you stay for funding? six months? <laughs> no. <laughs> he said, do you have the funding? I said, no. And he said, okay, um, I know that when I stand before God someday, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And he said, you know what I'd love to be able to say is that I got the English Bible put into the world, but that one's already taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what if I said I got gospel patrons put into the world, and we'll see what God does with wow. it? Wow. Yeah. And he said, how much do you need? And I said, well, I gave him a certain amount of money. And I said, I need at least two years. Uh, this is this is historical. This is deep. I've never done this kind of thing before. And he said, great. We'll consider you like a missionary, fully support you for two years. Don't tell anyone. I'm not trying to be your editor or your boss. I want to partner with you and see what God is going to do to this book. That's and so the, the whole time I was writing this from history, I was experiencing this living today, going, this is incredible. That just is like just I could just cry hearing that. That is like <laughs> like how how beautiful Bec- oh. and and how transforming because we know a whole whack of people that have read this book and it's really transformed their living and their thinking. And I don't know I when uh, when I heard that story. Uh, I actually th- thought of my grandfather because he was a Russian businessman and he mm. was flogged and imprisoned for giving money to an evangelistic church in Russia at the time. Wow. Wow. And, and his his people in his factory ending, ended up having to hide him several times because um, the during the Bolshevik Revolution at the beginning of it, um, men came after him to kill him. And, wow. And they hid him um, because he was such a man of integrity and the people really loved him. And, uh, when I read that, when I read the story, these, the story of these businessmen and, and the businesswoman that you write about, uh, in this book, um, I thought of my grandfather whom I never met. 
Um, wow. He he did flee Russia and come to Canada, and that's why my family's. That's why I'm here now. But um, mm. yeah, it, it 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 you don't. I'm sure you get that often. You probably run into people who have their own stories of impact when you. Uh, there's there's a quote from the book, John, I'm going to jump in there that, that I think is just appropriate for, for right here. I mean, you wrote, when God raises up people to proclaim the gospel, he also raises up patrons to support them. They have different gifts, different roles, but they are partners in the same mission. And, you know, isn't that, in a sense... We go to church, we hear the gospel, and we get challenged and encouraged to say, okay, now go out into the world and let's get this thing done. Let's share the good news of Jesus Christ. So that idea, it's, it's incredible when we were reading the book together and, and saying, somehow there's something different about this idea of the gospel patron and what that really means over the in in that light of sharing the gospel and and again just the two examples that we've had um, that we that we've had right now today with um, Humphrey Marmouth and of course your own story and then knowing of course Reb's story as well. Yeah, you know it's it, it's interesting because I first heard about this idea gospel patients through history, but then I began to dig into scripture and say. All right, I'm, I, I went to seminary. Like, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not sure I want to, like, promote it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Bible really, really matters to me. And what I came across was really astounding to me. If you've read the Gospel of Luke at any point in your life, you've probably read right over the, the names of Jesus' Gospel patrons. There were three women who actually came alongside Jesus' ministry and supported him. I never had considered that before. I thought, thought the Son of Man was a carpenter, and he left his job, and he went preaching from town to town, village to village, doing miracles, casting out demons, and ultimately dying on the cross and rising again for our salvation. I never stopped to consider, how did he fund those three years of traveling and preaching ministry? He had a team of people who were with him, so they obviously needed to eat. They needed provisions. And I came back to Luke 8, and here's what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Soon afterward, he, who's Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So here's the spiritual leader. He's proclaiming. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who'd been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. They had their names, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, provided for Jesus' ministry out of their means. And I go, man, if you stand before God and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And you said, well, I was one of Jesus Christ's gospel patrons. God, I think, goes, well, <laughs> nice investment choice. <laughs> Better than any 401k or IRA or investment account you could have ever put your money in. You invested in the Son of God preaching and teaching. And all throughout Scripture, we have examples like that. We go to Acts, and we see that pretty pretty quickly on, once the church explodes on Pentecost, there's this unbelievable generosity, and it says they had glad and generous hearts. That generosity, we have it backwards and upside down. We think it's a duty, we think it's a tax, mm-hmm. we think just check the box and be done with it. 10% God's, 90% is mine. Mm-hmm. I want to say 100% is God's, yep. and He allows us to keep some of it for ourselves. Yes. But this generosity is exploding in Acts 2 and Acts 4. We see the churches meeting one another's needs. No one's going without 
And all of a sudden, the church grows to 10,000 people. And out of those 10,000 people who seem to all be generous, we get one name of an example, and that's Barnabas, who sells mm-hmm. a field and lays the money at the apostles' feet. And you go, what would, what would compel a man to do that? Out of all the generosity stories they could have told, they actually name a guy, mm-hmm. Barnabas. And it says the apostles called him the son of encouragement. And you're like, I wonder why. He sold his field. He believed in our ministry that much. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then Barnabas traveled along with, with Paul in all these missionary journeys. He was so involved in Paul's missionary journeys that they called him Zeus and they called Paul Hermes. They're like, well, Paul's obviously mm-hmm. the chief speaker. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, to my point that someone's going to be a proclaimer and someone's going to be a patron, but Barnabas is so involved, uh, he can't just be a nobody. Well, the pagans called him Zeus. <laughs> they yeah. said he's, he's so strategic and involved. And you can just look at, and you see it all over Scripture, mm-hmm. that God uses people in different gifts in different ways. And we sometimes think, and business people who I've met oftentimes think, should I have been a pastor? I just had breakfast with a lawyer this morning who at one point was asking, I think I'm, real ministry is, is I should be a pastor and a church worker, even though I don't think that's my calling, but I, that's ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and all throughout Scripture, we see, no, no, if God wanted everyone to be a mouth, He would have gifted everyone the same. Yeah. But First Corinthians 12 tells us that He gifts people differently as He chose to build up the body. And so we have different gifts and different parts to play, but we're still all on the mission of God, serving His kingdom, building His kingdom, seeing it come, and advancing the gospel. So my, my heartbeat has really helped business leaders and those who are not in full-time vocational ministry see that they can be just as radically involved in what God is doing around the world, and sometimes even more so uh, than those who are supposedly on the front lines preaching and teaching the Bible. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we only have a few minutes left. There's there's the cue for you, John. we got to slow you down because we're just letting you go. And that's uh, totally, we're here to hear. The, we our, want you to speak. Our, our sure. listeners hear us all the time. They hear Reb and I ramble on. And so so just love your heart. We can certainly hear that even through the technology. Um, we, we are going to kind of wrap it up, but we are coming back for another show next week. So if you loved hearing John... Tune in next week, uh, all of that stuff. We, we're going to get to that. we got one last uh, question I want to answer, and John, you're going to have to be succinct here, okay? Yeah, uh, sure. So, so what's the difference between a gospel patron and a philanthropist? You've just been talking about meeting with a lawyer and, and those business people, and I think they understand philanthropy, but what's yeah. the difference there? Yeah, well, the, the first word in, in gospel patrons is gospel, mm-hmm. and uh, philanthropy is really about the love of mankind. It's about taking care of humanity, and that's important. But from Scripture, what we find is that man's deepest need is for the good news of Jesus Christ. We need the gospel, and we can have our bodies fed and clothed and taken care of. We can even have our minds educated and be building up society. But in the end, the fundamental need of man is for our soul to be saved. Over and over and over, we see that in Scripture, that we are not right with God just by doing good works. We're not right with God just by giving money. We're not right with God by just showing up at the right services at the right times. We actually needed a sacrifice for our sins, and that's the gospel, that Jesus was that sacrifice. And so a gospel patron is, is someone who gives not just a better humanity and make a better world, but they give to advance this news that Jesus saves, and he saves through his death and resurrection. And that's the priority of humanity. That's the priority of the need that we should be meeting. So a gospel patron is really someone who's very generous for the sake of seeing the gospel message advance. 
Okay, so we're going to hold it right there. I want you to hold that thought. John, I want you to come back and, and we're going to continue the conversation next week. So hang tight. Don't go anywhere. Uh, in fact, we'll get you back on next week. But that is such a great way to end this show that as a gospel patron, we want to, and, and I'm just going to pray right now, we just want to bless you, the listener, that somewhere God would spark you. Lord, we just want you to, to put that seed and, and make that grow, that you're, the people that you want to, uh, to plant your seed of being a gospel patron, that, Lord, you would, uh, not just that seed would ignite, that that, that would light a fire, and, and, Lord, that, again, your gospel would be advanced from this conversation a little bit further into eternity. And so, Lord, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Okay, next week, we're going to have John right back in. We're going to do another show with you, John. So, you know, we're we're happy to have you back. And uh, if you need to get the information from... morethanenough.ca, iTunes, as I said, are on the, on the way into the show. Feel free to do that and join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.